This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June 22nd, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And thank you all for tuning in. Excited to have you on this uh, in this new week. There's always something new to discuss today, and that means your questions. Your questions are what's definitely always new. Uh, but there's also always something new when it comes to the markets as well. So we're going to dig into the current environment and help you understand how the economy is recovering, how the market is recovering, and whether or not there are opportunities. And that's our goal here, is to help you understand how to analyze the various set of opportunities that are out there, whether they are appropriate for you, and whether or not those opportunities are actually pitfalls waiting to happen. So we're going to dig into a lot on today's show. And our goal here on Invest Talk each and every weekday is to help you become a better investor. And I'm Justin Klein. And through a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success that Steve and I share, we are committed to help you become a better decision maker. Not just a better investor, but a better allocator. Allocate of your resources, right? Your capital and your time. Trying to streamline it, right? Because there's a lot of information out there. But at the same time, you have to make a decision. You want paralysis from analysis. So we try to give you actionable direction and unbiased guidance, right? We are here to, not here to sell you a product where we get a big commission or anything like that, right? We're here to answer your questions. There's a lot of questions that people have. Uh, I'm sure you had a lot over the weekend. So I urge you to give our listener line a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You can call live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, and ask your question live on air, or you can always leave a message. We will answer it on a future show. Now, in case you were wondering, yes, through the wonders of technology, both Steve and I are conducting many no-cost, no-obligation portfolio review assessments via telephone, Skype, Jive meetings, etc. Uh, we've because of the COVID pandemic, we've put on pause all traveling for the time being. But you can always connect with our Irvine, California office at 800-557-5461, or you can go to investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that analysis an analyst is warning that the stock market is insanely disconnected and due for a reckoning. And I'm going to give some background on who the analyst is, what he's thinking, and uh, some background on his fund. So I think that will be interesting. Also, home sales. Home sales data came out today, and I'm going to dig into it. What does this mean? For the housing market, does it tell us 
things are looking more optimistic or more pessimistic. I'm going to dig into that. Also, what are interest rates telling us? And more importantly, negative interest rates. What is the current negative real interest rate environment telling us about the future returns of equities? And then lastly, if we have time, we'll dig into what the current recovery is telling us about the underlying economy, right? We're, we're getting some data here on the economic bounce back. I think we all can agree it's not a very strong V bottom, but is it very weak? Is it modestly weak? Is it fairly strong? Hopefully we can dig into some more details as well. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. 888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show, and I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Let's check in on the market today. We had the S&P up about 20 points. It was uh, the first day of a week after a modest up week last week. Uh, we had quadruple witching on Friday, so a lot of those uh, those options rolled off, and new positioning started today. And NASDAQ was definitely stronger than the than the S&P or uh, the, the Russell. The Russell was up about 14 points, about 0.1%, sorry, about 1%, excuse me, 1%. So that was actually pretty strong. So you had the, the risk on areas of the market. They were, they, they outperformed. So that's certainly a positive. If you look at the credit markets, that was actually weaker. Uh, the HYG, the, 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 the junk bonds, they underperformed uh, treasuries. And so that's something to watch. The dollar was down today, and that pushed up gold. Gold had a very good day. You're, you're, you're testing a breakout here from this recent consolidation phase. Doesn't mean it's going to break out, but you're definitely looking like you're, uh, you're ready for the next launch uh, in precious metals. Might still be a little while, but uh, it's certainly threatening uh, a new breakout. So that was kind of the market today. We'll be interesting to see where we close the week. At least I'm interested. Now let's take a question from our anytime listener line at 888 chart Hey, this is Eric in Virginia Beach. I'm pretty new to investing. I have a cash position that I am sitting on waiting for a good opportunity to buy. My question for you though is I'm interested in shorting the big five tech stocks. Seems like they've been pushing up the market for a while and are due for a correction. So I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Anyway, thanks, and I'll listen for it on the show. Well, I do. I definitely think a lot of the, the, the FANG trade is way, way overdone. Uh, if you look at the weight of those names on the S&P compared to the top five names in the S&P back in 2000, it's even worse. Uh, so you certainly have some strong overvaluation in some of those names. Some are, are more vulnerable than others. I, I would definitely say that's the case, especially if you're talking about your advertising-focused uh, FANG names. I think those are the most vulnerable. The issue here, though, is catching a falling knife. Um, I still think, you know, medium term, they will have a, a long, they, they will have a big downdraft over the coming 12 months. Uh, it's just what is the timing and what is your stomach for that trade going against you? I think that is your biggest question. Can you handle that? Most people can't. But I do think there will be, I won't say a reckoning, but a reevaluation, a revaluation, re right? Where 
the market starts to look at what is a very, very overvalued thing uh, set. And I think they will come back down to earth, but timing wise is definitely difficult. One thing I'm watching, if you look at the correlation, the dollar, if the dollar weakens, that's actually very bad for the growth side of the market and good for the value side where commodities uh, right, tend to rise. So uh, that's something to continue, continue to watch. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one. We have started the summer, and no doubt people across the country are ready to celebrate, get back to the beaches, the lakes, anywhere outdoors, which shown is a good place to be in the coronavirus pandemic. And hopefully the country is getting back into high gear. But how can I better prepare you? for market swings. How can you better prepare yourself? We're going to talk about this and your participation is as important as ever. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. Just want to say I really appreciate the show. I just have a quick question. I was wondering about the company Bristol Myers Squibb, BMY. I was just wondering what your thoughts are about the company as I'm interested in potentially buying it as a long-term hold. The only thing that's kind of thrown me off is their gap earnings is 51 cents, but their non-gap earnings is 6,020 cents. So that's sort of throwing me off with the PE ratio. So I'd like to know, one, is it a good company to buy? And two, which one should I use? Thank you very much. And I'll listen to the answer on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. Well, I always like to use gap. I think non-gap metrics are just naturally fraught with, I don't want to say shady, but questionable accounting metrics. Right? And that's why they're non-GAAP, because they don't conform to generally accepted accounting principles. Now, every company has their own version of non-GAAP, right? So it's not like non-GAAP for one company is the same type of measurement as non-GAAP for another. It's just saying that it's not GAAP. It's not specifying what type of metrics they're, they're, they're actually using. So that's something to, to understand as well. Now, Bristol Myers is, you know, if I'm looking at GAAP and non-GAAP has uh, a big difference, you know, I really want to look at cash flow. Maybe non, they're using non-GAAP for a particular reason. There are some, some differences in their business model that makes non-GAAP a lot more important. Um, and so I'd have to dig into uh, Bristol Myers on that front. But what I would do is use the cash flow. And their cash flow is definitely improving. It's actually doubled over the past two years, which I really, really like, uh, as well as their free cash flow. So cash flow metrics are a lot harder to fudge, right? And revenues are up 82% year over year. Uh, modest valuation, enterprise value to EBITDA is 20, 
which is not cheap, but with this growth, that's uh, that's not too bad. Yields about three percent, and its payout ratio is about our cash dividend payout ratio is about thirty-one percent. So that's certainly modest as well. So I like it. Uh, I'm not uh, not against uh, Bristol Myers. Definitely uh, on my watch list. Haven't bought it yet. I uh, don't love the backdrop for healthcare stocks right now, but this is definitely near the top of my healthcare stock list. That was Bristol Myers. B M Y is the symbol. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now our main talking point has to do with an analyst who believes the stock market is in la la land. Which uh, I think, if you listen to the show, you probably think uh, our sentiment is, is similar. Now going back to this analyst call, which his name is Kevin Smith. He's from Crest Cat Capital, and he actually thinks the market will drop 74% from the February highs. Now that's pretty extreme. I don't know if we're going to get there. Certainly possible, but with the Fed printing money and you know supporting asset prices, uh, that seems pretty difficult. But anything's possible. Now, what he is calling for is reality to set in with the market. And what he points to are profit margins, that profit margins follow the market. So if profit margins fall, equity markets will fall as well. And back during the financial crisis, you, you saw that, right? You saw profit margins on average go from about 10% to 6%. And that pushed the market down about, what was it, 55% peak to trough. Now, even though we're coming from a higher base, 12% average profit margins, we're down to about 9.6 and obviously headed lower. So he sees that as a clear indication that the market is disconnected from the underlying fundamentals. And I can't disagree with him. He's a big fan of precious metals as well. And so he sees the, the shift now rotating out of overvalued stocks like the growth stocks and into undervalued precious metals. Hasn't happened yet, at least on the overvalued uh, equity side, but certainly the precious metals are getting a nice boost recently. So interesting take from Kevin Smith over at Crescat. This is Invest Talk, streaming live Monday through Friday in the four o'clock Pacific time hour and available for free as a download as a condensed podcast. You can browse by topic at investtalk.com. You can also download a rate and review at Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Now give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. John from Texas. Thanks for the show. Question on gold. I know both of y'all are pretty bullish on it. I'm about 30% up on gold. Luckily, I've been buying it a little bit in the past. My question is, I've got a mix of GLD, a couple of miners. I do feel and agree that maybe it'll go up a little bit higher. So should I go ahead and sell, lock in those gains, and then maybe repurchase and start another position or just keep riding it and going up? You know, more likely it could go up, but it could go down. Just trying to see what y'all's opinion is. Thanks so much. Well, if you're in agreement that 
we are in a gold bull market, I, I wouldn't get too cute and try to pick individual, you know, overbought conditions and, and try to buy on pullbacks. I think you just find the right allocation, the right mix of holdings, whether that's GLD or miners or however you're going to gain exposure to the space. And you ride it until the underlying conditions change. Now, the underlying conditions in the gold market uh, are, are numerous. Number one are bond yields. Bond yields, because of what the Fed has pushed rates back to zero, they're likely to institute yield curve control. Uh, they're, they're, they want inflation. They're going to let inflation increase. Inflation is currently above those yields, which means that yields uh, are real yields are negative, and that is typically very good for gold. Also, the deficit. Deficit is huge. We're in a wartime deficit figure. We're at levels not seen since World War II when it comes to the fiscal deficit. When the, when the deficit rises, typically that is very good for the precious metal space as well. Now, when that backdrop changes, right, where the Fed is able to increase rates or for whatever reason rates might go up and no, they would no longer become negative, that would be negative for gold. I don't see that happening in the, in the short or medium term. Obviously, long term, it's a different story, but short and medium term, I don't see that happening. Second, the fiscal situation gets better. Now, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> you know, we're, we're clearly in a tough economic environment. Uh, we have tons of baby boomers retiring, which means a lot of those off balance sheet liabilities of Social Security and, and Medicare are coming on balance sheet, meaning there's natural spending increases from a demographic standpoint. Uh, our working age population will soon start shrinking, which will make it difficult, more, more difficult for the economy to grow and grow out of the debt level that we have and the deficit level. So all of those things combined give a very strong and positive backdrop for the gold market. Now, it's up to you and us as, uh, you know, when we manage client assets to figure out when that backdrop will change. I don't see it changing anytime soon. You may have a different viewpoint, but to me, it's more about continue to save more, focus on saving. You have your allocation. If you feel comfortable with that allocation of gold, you keep it there. You save more on pullbacks. You buy a little bit more with the money you saved. That's how you do it. Don't get too cute unless you think the backdrop is suddenly about to change. 888.99 chart, 8892-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, the U.S. home sales report came out today, and we hit the lowest levels, or sorry, the biggest sales drop in nine and a half years. Oh, sorry, no, the level went to the lowest in nine and a half years in the month of May. This was a report from the National Association of Realtors, and it showed the smallest annual home price increase in more than eight years. Now, applications for home loans are actually surging to an 11-year high. Part of that has to do with refinancing, but part of it is demand. But what's interesting is that the while the applications are increasing, Loan loan requirements are increasing as well, which means less people are getting approved for their loans. And that's an issue for the housing market overall. Now, uh, certainly you're probably going to, you know, you're looking at 
April May data, which kind of was the the peak in the coronavirus shutdown. So that's something to consider. And what's also interesting is that economists had that were polled expected a three percent fall. So it fell over nine percent, which was much worse. Now home resales make up ninety percent of U.S. home sales, and previously owned homes listed was actually down 18.8% year over year. So demand is down, transactions are down, but also supply of homes are down as well. What's interesting is the shift. It is skewed towards single family homes, mostly in the suburbs, right? People are moving out of large cities, A, because of the coronavirus pandemic, B, because of social unrest in a lot of those big cities as well. So that's that's an issue. Single-family home sales, however, dropped 24.8% in May, while multi-family home sales plunged 41.4, meaning condominiums. So year over year, condominium prices actually fell, while single-family home prices actually increased. So it just shows you, condominium prices or condominiums are riskier. They're just riskier to own uh, in general. Now, economists are forecasting a big drop, 20% drop in residential investment, which is going to contribute to the decline in GDP uh, and also inventory growth right from new homes. So I think that will be interesting to see where that balance comes. We're not quite yet to situation where we're six or seven months of supply. We're at about 4.8. So situation is getting a little looser, but not quite the buyer's market yet. 888-99 chart. Give me a call. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities, the chance to learn better ways of doing things, the prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Monday, Justin Klein is here, and if you've been watching the news and market volatility, you're going to have finance and investment questions. The phone lines are open, and Justin is taking your calls live. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. 
Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. My name is Megan, and I'm calling in our guard to Square Stock, ticker symbol SQ. I was looking at it before it crashed in March. It was around $70. I think at its lowest, it was in the 20s, and now it's in the low 90s. I am regretting not buying it sooner, but I was wondering if you thought it was too late to buy. Thanks. Have a good day. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm regretting I didn't buy it down there in the 30s uh, as as well. Uh, it didn't. It wasn't there for very long, but uh, definitely, I think that was a great bargain down there around $30 a share because I, I have a price around 60. So clearly, 30 and change is a, a good uh, purchase price. So now we're at 104. So I, I do think it's a little overvalued, overstretched right now. A P ratio of 146. Now. Uh, I think they're well run. I think they have a, a, a secular, secular, not cyclical, secular tailwind uh, behind them, and with contact, contactless payment, uh, that that'll definitely help. Right? I know a lot of places aren't even aren't, aren't collecting cash now, uh, but I, I just think it's a little overvalued at, at these levels. My value is around sixty dollars, and I think we'll get a pullback with the growth stock. This is the growth name. Right, revenues up 44% year over year, but uh, they did lose two cents last quarter. So clearly, the cyclical nature uh, of the processing credit card processing business uh, hurt them to some degree, and that will likely drag on their results for uh, the medium term. Uh, now, certainly, there's a lot of chasing going on here around the idea of Square, uh, but if you're looking at the underlying business. Uh, I think $60 is a much more appropriate value for this name as opposed to 104. So uh, that's where I would pick up Square and uh, keep it on your watch list because it is definitely a good company. 8899 chart, 8899242780 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about uh, 20 minutes. So get your call in right now. Let's touch on those negative interest rates. Touch that a little I touched on that a little about gold and what's more educational about negative interest rates, negative real interest rates, excuse me, is what it means for equity prices. Now this is coming from Cambridge University. This is from Elroy Dimson who is a professor there and he co-authored a research report that looked at a comprehensive global database of stock and bond returns, looking at 23 different countries, dating all the way back to 1900. So a deep, deep data set here. And what it basically said was that there's a strong correlation between real rates and returns of the subsequent five years for both stocks and bonds. Meaning, if real rates are very, very low, the expectation or the correlation to the next to, to the returns of stocks and bonds over the next five years are also going to be very, very low. So they looked at 2,382 different observations across these countries, and that's basically what they saw. So that the 5% of, of country years with the lowest real rates saw equity returns of the subsequent five years of negative 6%. Now, why is that? Well, there's a historical correlation between real interest rates 
and the overall economy. They're a great predictor of a long-run economic growth potential. And if the market is expecting sustained low future growth, the interest rates in the market are going to reflect that, right? Because low growth typically means low inflation, low returns. And so if in general you're going to have low returns anyway in the economy, why would you take the risk of equities when you can just be in bonds? So in a lot of ways, real interest rates are the heartbeat of the economy. Right? If they're high and they're moving up and down, it means the economy is good. Right? The economy is efficient, firing in all cylinders. That's what people or investors and I think policymakers don't understand as well. We think low interest rates, you know, you get interest rates low, gets people to borrow a little bit more, a little more economic activity, and people are more optimistic about what's happening in the economy. But all you're really doing is stealing future demand and pulling that forward. And so as long as interest rates remain low, it's going to be difficult for the overall economy to really get in high gear, especially with our demographic situation of baby boomers retiring and the working age population beginning to shrink. Now, as regular listeners know, Steve and I make it a practice to get into as many caller questions as possible in each show. So let's get to our voice bank now. This question came in earlier from Croatia on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve or Justin. This is Nevin speaking from Croatia, all the way in Europe. Thank you for a great show. You're being appreciated even across the Atlantic. I have a question about asset allocation, fixed income in particular. Since I started investing, I have followed the traditional approach, 80% equity, 10% bond, 10% gold. Now I'm running a portfolio optimization calculations based on monthly returns over the past five years. And my model is suggesting that in order to achieve the optimal risk-return ratio, or the highest sharp ratio, the suggested optimal allocation is 60% equity and 40% gold. Note 0% in bonds. This leads me to believe that uh, uh, given the um, zero and negative interest rate environment, traditional allocation of a portion of your portfolio to fixed income will not work going forward. I mean, diversification benefits are still there. However, they're outweighed by the drag on the returns, resulting in suboptimal risk-return ratios ratios and uh, suboptimal portfolios. I would love to hear your take on this. Thank you and have a great day. Well, I would agree with that if you're ta- when you say bonds, you're talking about treasury bonds. Right? I think from a risk reward standpoint, the Fed has manipulated rates so far down that it makes absolutely no sense to be in treasury bonds for any extended period of time. You can hide out right there in short periods of time. I get that. To preserve capital. But if you're looking long run, 
treasuries, government bonds, you even go, you know, your, your, your European bonds, uh, Japanese bonds, et cetera. Terrible place to be from a risk reward standpoint. Very little yield and decent risk, right? Either from inflation or potentially rates going up. So I agree with that. Now, if you're talking about corporate bonds, you're going out in the risk spectrum a little bit and you're actually compensated, right? We were looking at uh, bonds in the marketplace today. We're getting about 4.5% on the corporate bond side, pretty safe. Taking some risk, but at least you're getting yield. Whereas treasury bonds, you're not really getting anything. So a lot depends on what type of bonds you're speaking about. Now, I like the 40% gold. Um, I would probably say, realistically, probably about 30, 30, 40. 30 corporate bonds, 30 gold, 40% equities. I think that would be more of a balance. But once again, it depends on what you're talking about when it comes to bonds. Now, you listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And yes, the economy is reopening in phases. And most of us realize that the resumption too strong economic activity is going to take some time. And after the break, I'm going to get into what that exactly means. But the clock is ticking on the calendar. We're almost halfway through the year. And your retirement objectives can't be controlled by this pandemic. So you need to take steps now to optimize your portfolio. You can do it yourself, or you can reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We want to help you. Whether you're a conservative investor edging closer to retirement or in retirement or a younger investor looking for aggressive opportunities, we can help you. To get started with a no-cost portfolio review consultation, please call or send a message through investtalk.com. And now I'm here ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investing questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, we know the economy is getting back to some semblance of normalcy. Some. And I really don't think we're going to be back there until at earliest 2022. Most economists are thinking we're not going to get back to pre-COVID economic activity until 2024. It doesn't mean we can't have growth, right? We're going to be coming from a pretty low base here in the second quarter. So things are going to improve. Companies are going to find ways, right? Where there's a will, there's a way. Some will lose the will and just shut down. And you've seen that with many restaurants closing down. 
And that is, I think, the bigger issue here. Restaurants, establishments, companies that stay in business, they may slim down a little bit, but in general, they're going to operate roughly with the same amount of people in aggregate. I think the biggest issue is all the businesses that just went away. Restaurants, travel agencies. And that is going to impair the economy because all those workers, all that capital needs to be redeployed into positive economic activity. Now, certainly fiscal stimulus is playing a crucial role in keeping the economy going. And actually, private income has surged. Why? Because of all of the unemployment benefits. And a lot of that extra income is supporting spending, also is helping to pay down and improve personal balance sheets. And that's actually really good because it's going to lay the groundwork for a strong recovery once everything really calms down. Now, we had the pretty good May unemployment report, and I think it was a little, some misnomers there, but we had a good unemployment or employment report and retail sales report. Despite that, we're still going to have double-digit declines in GDP in the second quarter, probably in the magnitude of 15 to 20%. Total employment in May was still down 13.5% below January levels. The overall drop in economic activity has surpassed the Great Recession. And PC, personal consumption expenditures, from January to April, fell 19.4%. In the financial crisis, from June 2008 to March 2009, it fell 3.9%. So you can see how dramatic the economic damage has been. And PCE, that's, per, that's how much people are spending. So it's about five times as worse when it comes to spending as the financial crisis. And it was clearly the largest drop post-World War II. Now, typically in a recession, spending on consumer services don't change too much. You're still going to go to the dry cleaner. You're still probably going to hire your maid. You know, you're still going to use a lot of consumer services. But you may not buy that big TV, you may not remodel your house, you're not going to go maybe buy a new house. And now with social distancing, these services, however, are some of the hardest hit areas of the economy. And that is where you're going to see some continued impairment. Because how are those services going to still be administered in the time of COVID when you can't be close to somebody as much as you usually could? So I think that's an area that is still down about 12 to 14% in the month of May versus January levels. 
And that's going to be slower to come back. You've seen the rebound in retail sales already, but the services side is going to be impaired for some time. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. Hi, Invest Talk. This is Colin out of Nebraska. Longtime listener, I have a question about the Shift Group, formerly Spartan Motors. As of Monday, June 1st, the stock ticker has changed from SPAR to SHYF, renaming to the Shift Group. I have a small position in this, and I've been watching it closely for a few weeks. I just wanted to get your opinion on is it a good place to be in the current market. They have exposure to truck chassis, so things like Amazon delivery vans, UPS delivery vans, all the way to custom law enforcement vehicles. So I like some of the things they're in. Just want your thoughts on their fundamentals. If you would invest, uh, what do you think of it in general? Thanks. Love the show. Well, I like what you're you're talking about. They do operate in, for me, an attractive part of the market, fire trucks, emergency vehicles, delivery vehicles, motorhomes, etc. And earnings for 2019 almost doubled from 66 cents to $1.13. Now it's a small company, $570 million market cap, pretty much no debt on their balance sheet, you know, very little net debt. Uh, so I like their balance sheet. Free cash flow last quarter was negative. I don't like that. And the profit Profitability metrics are weak. That is my biggest issue here. Cash flow is okay, uh, not terrible, not fantastic. But if you're looking at return on assets, return on equity, all over the place uh, and have been negative for the last year and a half despite earnings per share somehow going up pretty solidly. So the financials for me just don't really add up. The profitability metrics are just too weak. They've, they vacillate between negative and positive. What's their best year? Positive 5.85% of return on assets. Best return on equity year was that same year, about 9.8. If that's the high of their business, a 10% return on equity, that and it's very volatile, I don't like that. It's too too volatile to be that low. Now, if you're vacillating between you know, 20% and 50%, great. Because I'll take any one of those years as nice returns for equity holders. However, this company doesn't have that. Uh, so while I like the general story of the stability of their business, I just don't love those long-term profitability metrics. So I'm definitely going to pass on Shift Group, S-H-Y-F. And, and that's that's really important here is when you have a company that's not really growing that much, 
you know, revenue year over year was up 3%. Profitability becomes very important. If you're not going to get strong growth, you need very strong profitability. I understand young companies, they're investing, they're hiring people, they're growing their market share. Uh, that can work. Having tough profitability metrics can work. Not to say I love it. Not to say it works every time. Because it doesn't. But at least I understand it. Mature companies that have been around for a long time, they need to be selling at strong margins, strong profits. If the profitability metrics are weak, what that means is there's no economic advantage that they've created. No competitive advantage that allows you, the shareholder, to earn above the cost of capital, which is typically 8, 10, 12%. That's why we look for return on equity in the mid to high teens or higher. Because you need to return on equity higher than the cost of that equity. And if you can't do that for a consistent period of time, all you're doing is destroying shareholder capital. Hope that helps. I'm Justin Klein. This computes, completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return tomorrow. And please remember to download our new June Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. It is free. And tell your friends about investtalk.com and the helpful resources on our website. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.